0: Lena, welcome. I'm so pleased to have you on, on this cast. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Give a little bit of an introduction on yourself and what you typically do in the film industry.
1: Sure. Um, Pretty much, I am a non-union first assistant director and production manager. So I've worked on features, on shorts, music videos, commercials. Um, I've also produced, uh, like, two shorts, one... Um, titled Mr. Sam, that was like about $80,000 short, um, it's got into a number of festivals. That was a really nice shoot. Um, and then I also produced another short that was about $40,000, um, out in Syracuse, um, in August. So, yeah, that's, uh, it's kind of what I ended up doing most of the time in films, ADing and production managing, mainly ADing. though.
0: Nice. Nice. And do, I guess do you have a preference? Do you prefer uh, AD or a production manager? You know,
1: it's... <laughs> it depends on the project, honestly. Um, because both AD and production managing have their ups and downs, I guess you could say. Like, I like AD because I'm not only able to, you know, kind of be in an office setting or work from home. But then on production, I'm pretty much... I'm in the front lines with the crew, and I love being on set, like, I just, I like the environment, I love all that craziness that happens on set, as a production manager, that doesn't happen, you're pretty much in the office for the most part, and I miss, like, I, I really, really do miss um, being on set when I'm PMing, because I can't be in the front lines. So. Do you also want me to repeat that? Because I saw that you started recording. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Because we have so many questions. And actually, I was recording using another program at first. So I think, yeah. I think it'll be okay. okay. So I guess we'll jump into student questions and one non-student question from my friend Eliza, who typically works as a production assistant. Eliza's question is, how do you usually find work and land gigs?
1: So usually, like at this point, it's pretty much referral-based. So, you know, I'll go from one project and then like, I'll have like a lag for a couple of days or whatever. And then somebody will reach out, email, text, phone, whatever, and just be like, Hey, are you available? I have a short coming up, a feature coming up, you know, how do you feel about it? This is the budget. This is the rate. And based off of my conversation with the director and reading the script and kind of getting a feel for what's to come, I'll say yes or no to it. If I'm not, Getting referrals, it's usually just um, networking, you know, reaching out to people that I've already worked with and kind of being like, hey, do you know anything, you know, that's happening right now? Do you know anybody that is looking for an AD or a production manager? If you do, let me know. Um, and then when that kind of doesn't work, it's really just a matter of, you know, the usual sites of Mandy.com and Staff Me Up or Facebook. So that's pretty much how I end up getting my work. The thing to kind of be mindful of is, you know, there's far more jobs on mandy.com and staff me up for, for other positions, not so much AD. Like I, I rarely ever see a lot of jobs at one given time. Where they're looking for an ad and i'm not sure why that is i some i, I kind
0: of it, well it well me. it probably goes back to the first thing that you said because it's such a referral based thing and and i would imagine because it's such a specialized sort of thing that yes. somebody needs to really and i guess we could start talking about the sort of aptitude that somebody and personality traits based off my experience um an ad has to have certain sort of personality traits to really, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough job. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Of like, and, and you know what? Actually, on a basic level, for people that don't really know, maybe you could give a quick rundown of what an AD actually does, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what an AD does um, yeah, absolutely. for people absolutely. that don't know. I
1: mean, the first thing that I'll say is this is what an AD is not. An AD is not an assistant to the director meaning like you're not going to be getting the director coffee and you know what I mean doing their laundry and stuff like that I mean you could offer a coffee absolutely but that's not your job as an AD you know you're you're helping the director meet his or her vision by you know what I mean running the set and running the day and making sure that they have enough time to get the things that they need Um, in addition to that you are not like an assistant director is not somebody who's in any shape or form doing the creative aspect of filmmaking. So the director is the person who sees the vision, they know their color palette, they know their character arcs, they know all that. The AD is not going in, they're going like, you know what, I don't think that that was the right take based off blah, 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 not your job. So that's the first thing. What an AD is though, pretty much in the pre-production process the ad is the person who gets a script gets a shot list and depending on the budget depending on the amount of days that you have and depending on you know a whole bunch of other variables the ad will pretty much create a schedule and that will be the schedule that production will use to make their film Um, and you decide which scenes go on the first day which scenes go on the second day the third the fourth the fifth you decide the pacing of the schedule and in addition to pre-production you're also pretty much working with the department heads and you know you're also scheduling other things like fittings rehearsals production meetings tech scouts location scouts all that type of stuff and then once production sets in you are running the set you are managing the day you're like the drill fucking sergeant you know you're like you're telling everybody when they're in when they're out you know you're managing safety and you're just making sure that the day is made, that the day is done. That's your job as an AD. Um, well, so it's organizational, it's logistical, it's, and it's hard. It's freaking hard-ass work.
0: It, sometimes it's a thankless job, I'm, I'd imagine. There's people that appreciate it, but then there's some people that might just think they don't understand why you're being such a hard-ass.
1: Everybody that, has, that I've worked with they are super thankful. Like okay, I, I've great. never met somebody that goes like, what the fuck are you doing? What's the point of you being here? No, <laughs> like,
0: no, not, not, not that. I, yeah. I guess I shouldn't have meant that way, but I, I've definitely seen ADs where people are like, why is that guy being such a jerk? And I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's part of their job.
1: Well, sort of I'm, I'm, I'm glad you say that because the thing is this, like this kind of goes back to what you were saying about like the personality of an AD and you know, there are going to be moments and days where you got to be a hard ass. Like you, you do have to be that bitch. You do have to be that asshole. Um, But I think that if you work in film and you have experience, you understand why that's necessary, but some people take it to the head, meaning like they got an ego about it. And they think that just because they're the AD and they have, the voice that everybody has to listen to because you have to be communicating all the time that that gives them a right to be assholes or bitches and i don't really respect that i don't personally ad that way
0: i've heard the term set nazi for those sorts of ad's yes yes
1: like a person that's kind of like they they take the life out of a set and like i think that as an ad you should you should definitely be able to kind of manage like you got to have a flow where you're able to be hard ass, but at the same time, make sure that your friends, not not friends, but that like they, people respect you and they want to listen to you, but they also understand that you can be fun when you need to be that. If it's people are laughing and having a good time, you don't want to come in there and be like this, you know, person with a stick up their ass going like everybody shut up. Let's go. Yeah. You need to do that, but have some fun with it. Like let it go a little bit. You, yeah. you don't have to be that way all the time.
0: Yeah, no, I think, uh, That that's what ties to the specific aptitude. So I'm I'm glad you mentioned that so much because, you know, you I could see you having that sort of personality where you could toggle, you know, when it's when you have to be brass tacks about things, and then when you could be a little bit friendlier.
1: Yeah, when it's there's a time to lean and there's a time to clean. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) If corny as hell, (laughs) but that's kind of how I see it. So yeah. All
0: right. So awesome description so far. Um, we're going to jump into some student questions. First one is from Michael. And his question is, what problem is most commonly faced between the, the AD and actors? Do you ever encounter problems with actor, certain actors?
2: Um,
1: uh, yes and no. I would say that like I don't think that there are ever common problems with an actor i think it really depends on the actor right and like you know sort of how do i word this like you know there are some actors that are so easy to work with like they're chill they ride the wave if things are a little bit crazy or hectic they're cool with it you know and they're just a pleasure to be around totally and then there are those actors who Divas. They're like divas. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: And it could be guys, by the way. I'm not saying divas is a derogatory. I've, I honestly, guys, the worst divas that I've had are some male actors. Um, (laughs) so it's, it's not (laughs) when people think of divas, the stereotype could be, you know, uh, a female, but I've, I've seen the guys be worse at times, worse divas.
1: Absolutely absolutely yeah exactly it's not it's not supposed to be it's it's not a derogatory of like it's only the women no it's a person that just have a that that just has a specific type of personality and you know they need a little bit more attention they need a little bit more kind of you know positively yeah
0: Yeah. a lot of times it's embedded with narcissism too (laughs)
1: You know, you know, it really depends because, you know, I, I think that sometimes we don't give credit to actors and the type of stuff that they need to be doing. And so, like, for instance, I was on set and um, we had a scene where our lead actress, she pretty much had to give birth. And so this was a, this was a big scene because not only did it, re- it was going to require her to be sweating and crying and like really kind of imagining giving birth. And up to this point in the script, you know, she was pretty much, even though she was with someone, this person wasn't around for a week or two. She had no idea where he was. And so she was already having issues and she was stressed out. And so she was at a heightened emotional state. And so we did a rehearsal and the um, director and the DP were like, you know, we kind of, we need to make some tweaks. So I got her out there and I was like, why don't you head back to the room, you know, and take a break for like five minutes. She's like, no. I don't want to head back over there. I want to head to another room. I want to get the hell away from everybody right now. I need to kind of focus. And I said, okay, cool. Do your thing. So she went into this like room on the floor. And, um, when the director and the DP were ready, I came back to see her and she was already in tears. Like she was like, she was pacing back and forth. Like she looked crazy. She was getting into the character and she was like, do me a favor. I need two more minutes. Like, I, I know you guys are ready to go. We're crunched for time. I need two minutes. Like I need it. That's it. And then she was like, when I come into the room, I don't want to hear a single, like, I don't want to hear a peep from anybody in the room. And I was like, okay, cool. Like you, you get what you want. So I came back and I told the director, like, look, she needs two minutes. She needs to take it. That's what it is. The director said yes. And then I pretty much approached everybody on the set and I was like, the minute that I come on the set with her and I say that we are heading to, I need everybody to be quiet because she's in an emotional state, like it has to be dead silent here. And so, you know, would that be a situation where she's being difficult? No, you know, she's just, she's trying to do her job in the best way and she's requesting my help as the AD to sort of kind of manage and wrangle everybody to give her the things that she needs. You know, some actors don't give a shit. They'll be like, all right, great. Five minutes, great, I'm here, boo hoo hoo. They do their thing and they get the fuck off the set um so it really depends like some actors if they are being difficult like let's just say you have an actor who is they keep coming to set late they are maybe a little bit belligerent or they're sort of just you know everybody has a specific personality this is an actor that is a lead you got to deal with it you got to put up with it like if you set 30 minutes for makeup and this actress decides that she wants 45 to an hour you tell production and you say hey She's requesting about an hour in makeup. We don't have that kind of time. Like, even though it's only 15 minutes, an additional 30, it eats up time.
0: Every minute you know? on set is a very valuable counts.
1: time. Exactly. And so if this is a lead actress and we need her, the production may have a conversation and be like, do you really need that hour? And if she says yes, you deal with it. And then you schedule it out the way you need to. The director is aware. The DP is aware. The producers are aware. So everyone's on the same page, and we understand this actress is going to require that. She needs a little bit more reinforcement to look good. She needs it. Otherwise, she may not be performing the way that she needs to. So to say that there's a common actor thread between an AD and an actor, it depends on the actor, their personality, and their role. If they're a lead character, you kind of got to deal with certain things. If they're kind of a non-essential you could kind of push a little bit and be like, listen, we don't have time for the the theatrics. Like you got to do what you got to do. And that's it.
0: So, yeah. Great anecdotes. And I totally agree with you about the performer that was, she was, uh, I guess supposed to be pregnant. And I wouldn't look at that as diva like behavior. And I I was, we just had an actor on the cast last night and we were talking about directing and acting and I was saying that, as for me as a director, I'm the type of director. If I'm dealing with thirty different actors, I'm thirty different directors, meaning that I sort of tailor my communication style according to the needs of the actor because different actors have different sorts of training. absolutely. And they have different kinds of ways that they like working, and i'm I'm usually the type of person that kind of susses that out pretty quickly. And then, you know, I, I can kind of get to the bottom of if is this an actor that could take direction in front of other people? Do they prefer? direction off to the side, you know, and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm pretty accommodating when it comes to those, those sorts of things. And, you know, because I understand what they bring to the table and I'm empathetic with that. Um, but then, like you said, there's other sorts of behavior that I would categorize as diva-like behavior, especially complaining, complaining about temperature, like, Oh, it's so this, or it's so that it's like, all right, <laughs> calm it down. <laughs> We're all yeah, doing Yeah,
1: yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and yeah, I, like even though, yes, I did. I, I mentioned the um the divaness and then I mentioned that particular example, which was not a good tie-in.
0: No, actually, it is actually yeah, to me it was a good tie-in because it, yeah, I think like it it kind of illustrates and contrasts, you know, what is versus what's like a reasonable request. I think you know she had a reasonable request, yeah. saying, "Hey, this is what I need to get into the zone," you know. And, um, it, it seemed reasonable enough, you know, and I would, I, as a director, I would have no problem with that whatsoever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you make a really good point because in relation to, um, you know, you have to adapt, like as an AD, not only do you have to adapt to different personalities with cast, you have to adapt to different personalities with the crew and with your director. And so it's, I, you know, I think for the most part, we are, we have a core personality that no matter what is going to get ruffled, but we find a way to maneuver around certain personalities in certain situations. And so, yeah, if you, again, and it's also in a way, very, I don't know if it's political or anything like it's cause it's not like, you know, on, on the sets that I work with, it's not like we're dealing with a studio or with, you know, like, big financiers that are on set you know and they have certain expectations um it's more or less like you have to pretty much kind of you have to appease people in 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 a certain type of way depending on their mental state you know what i mean and so that i don't know if i'm sense. explaining that correctly but yeah,
0: absolutely yeah i've listen i've seen all kinds of things on set so uh, yeah. um and there's times where I'm a very nice guy as a director, and then there's sometimes where my patience is very, very short, depending on the situation. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: Um okay, so now we're going to Damien's question. Are you interested in pursuing other areas of film production? And if so, why?
1: Um, I mean I'm not sure what, like, I mean, I think right now as an AD, like me doing production management or like producing, it's, they're not exactly the same, but they kind of, they're somewhat parallel to each other because they're both operational logistics, scheduling, you know, resource things, stuff like that. And so um, I kind of feel like I want to continue ADing. It's just the path to the type of ADing that I want to do is a little bit Mm, how do I say this? Like I'm a non-union AD for me to get into the union. It's going to take me a while because they have very specific requirements. There's and like the
0: DGA program, they're, they're, that sort of the, thing. Right? DGA
1: is a very hard union to get into. Okay. And so um, in the meantime, I mean, if there's anything that I would do, it's really just production managing and like producing. I mean, if, if I could go back in time and I was in my 20s, And i was just starting out i probably probably would have went the dp route honestly
0: really yeah
1: Yeah. i would have totally went down the dp route like i i love frames i love looking at like lighting and like when whenever i see something beautiful i'm just like wow how'd they do that (laughs) you know and um i i love the moving image like and how it looks and sometimes the dp can really just take something and make it absolutely gorgeous and so i kind of wish i had that sort of skill set and i do shoot like you know documentary style stuff but that's not the same thing you know um i think i have a good eye so i think if i could turn back time about a decade i would um definitely have gone into DPing. but for now production managing producing editing it's kind of where i'm at
0: nice so victor freeman well his question is what inspired you to become a director Let's change it to: What inspired you to become an AD?
1: Um, I don't know if there was anything really that inspired me to be an AD. Um, my path to getting into into ADing was not like I, I didn't work on like a hundred sets as a PA prior to that and go like I think AD is the route. It kind of just landed in my in my lap. You know, I was working with somebody and I was peeing. She was doing a pilot and I, I kind of helped her with some stuff and she was like, you know, I think you'd make a good AD. And I was like, all right, go, cool. let me, let me AD, whatever, like I'm down. Um, and she was like, you just have the personality for it, I think. And so I applied for the DGA trainee program. Uh, I sent in my app, they accepted it. I took the test and kaput, like I couldn't get past the damn test. Um, okay. I'm, I just suck at tests and I'm, I'm not good at tests. Um,
0: I know a lot of people but, get jammed up. There's like a video portion or they have to do like a video interview and you know, that gets sort of challenging just talking to somebody. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the, the DGA, like they have like a, four, um, like pretty much it's like the, the application process, the test, then you have to kind of do like a group interview thing and then you have the video thing with like the main people from the DGA, I think. And then like they decide whether or not they want to take you. And so I could never pass this damn test and it's like, you can't study for it. But, One director who had given me a like a referral and stuff like that, rather a reference and stuff, she was like, Oh, you know, I know that you're trying to become an AD. I have a feature. Do you want to AD it? And I was like, Are you sure you want me to AD your feature? Like, what the hell? And so um, she's like, Yeah, why not? She's like, I, you know, you know me, you know the producers, like it'll be a comforting kind of environment for you for you to have your first AD credit. And I took it. And of course, when I look back at how I AD that set so to how I would AD now, it's totally different. But I got to thank her for giving me that opportunity because from that one, I got another, then I got another, and another, and another. And it kind of just kept going. And so it fit. So that's, that's awesome. kind of how I got into it. It wasn't because I was like, AD is the way for me now.
0: Yeah, but it's like somebody gave you an opportunity and you went for it. And I think that's great. Michael is asking to what extent does the director have a say in the scheduling set by the ad
1: that's a really good question um so the director uh, to the extent i would say this that a director is not going to look at your schedule you know when you create it and go like nope 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 this day that day no um Most directors, if not all, I would imagine, hope so, they are requesting your services and they're requesting your knowledge about scheduling to create the most effective and efficient schedule that's going to work within the budget and within all of the other logistical craziness that a schedule entails. And so, like, I've never met a director that's taken a look at my schedule and and reshifted all the days and just decided to do whatever they wanted to do with my schedule. What they do, however, you know, do is they'll provide input and then they'll say, hey, you know, looking at these scenes for this particular day, I don't know if that's really going to work. I think this is going to be too much because they are still working, you know, a shot list out with their DP, you know, and I don't have that yet. And so they have ideations and, you know, they have a vision for those particular scenes that I'm not privy to just yet. And so they may see something that I'm not aware of just yet and be like, eh is gonna take a little bit longer, I think that those scenes need to be moved. Or, hey, I think that there's a possibility that this particular scene or that particular scene might be taken out or we might shift something in it or whatever, you know? So they help in terms of kind of adjusting your schedule and making it better but that's really when working with experienced directors. I mean, I've been in situations where I've worked with inexperienced directors and inexperienced directors. I mean, you could put it on 20 scenes on one day and they'd be like, great, I love it. You know, cause they don't really understand or know what that would entail because they haven't done it enough times. And so, you know, I've been in situations where like, you know, I had done a schedule for for somebody who I was working with and I was trying to produce a, you know, a, a, a film we were just in the, in the very, very like, like developmental stage and um, I had done a schedule and it was like a 31 day schedule. And she was like, you know, can we make it like a 20 day schedule or something? Or, and I was like, no, like you have way too many scenes here. And like, and there's some things that
0: where she wanted uh, to there It was like a 31 day schedule. She wanted to make it at a 20 day schedule. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: Like she wanted to, like, she wanted to, she that's not like shaving off a day or two. That's like it. a
0: full 10, 11 days. That's, you know, it,
1: yeah, exactly. And so it's it was just too much. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, we already have very packed days. Like, it's like five, six page days. And these are not easy scenes. Like, they're not quick, you know, dialogue. Like, the, the script was, was great. And the script had very heavy scenes. And so you have to be very mindful of that. And so, you know, in her mind, she thought that some days were very easy to do. And I'm like, no, based off what I have here, it looks like we have like, you know, two or three company moves. And I only, I only put those scenes in there because I don't really know where else to put them. You know what I mean? Like I, we don't, we're not even close to the logistical or production phase yet to even know what's available to us and what isn't available to us for me to really be able to kind of maneuver the schedule in such a way and puzzle pieces together appropriately. So you can kind of just, you can only do so much, but even based off of those very, very early conversations, I could tell that there was a lack of understanding in what that would mean for actual production days. And so if it's an experienced director, they can help that process very, very, like in very good ways. If it's an inexperienced director, they're never going to take your schedule and redo it for you, but they may have suggestions or they may not really understand how a day or production week would actually go because they haven't done it enough times.
0: So that makes sense. Okay, so Damien's asking if anyone is interested in ading. What would be their best way of preparing or informing them of the duties that they will be doing?
1: Um, can I get a little bit more elaboration on that question? Like, meaning, if you've never aded, like, and you're asking if you want ad, what would be my recommended, like?
0: I guess, well, we have to interpret. Uh, Damien is not on the line because he's actually an essential worker right now. He's working in a hospital, so okay. <laughs> shout out to Damien who will be listening in tomorrow. But what I'm, I guess, what I'm, it seems like it's a two part question because it says if anybody's interested in ADing, what is their best way of preparing and informing them of what duties that they'll be doing? Maybe we could reframe the question. Yeah. Of. Kind of what you were talking about in the beginning. What's what's the, what's the most what what's the most priority on the job? Um, certainly, corralling and you know making sure that things are on schedule. I think is, is yeah. I is mean, of, of so most importance.
1: Put it like this: if you've never AD'd before, it doesn't matter how many books you read or how many conversations you have with somebody. You got to do it. You know. It's, yeah. it's like with anything else, if, if you want to learn how to do it, you got to do it. Um, and that's not always easy for people to get into those sorts of positions if you have never had the experience of doing that. Um, you know, I think the best bet is talk to seasoned ADs, talk to, you know, people that AD and ask questions, you know, maybe ask one of those ADs, you know, can I shadow you, you know, on, on a set? is Would production be okay with that? Um, Be in the front line with the AD to understand what they do. And also understand it's not just so much about running the set. You're running the set based off a schedule. It's not just understanding how to manage all the departments in the day. It's also understanding what your schedule entails. And if shit hits the fan, which it does, you know, you have to start using other skill sets. Like, okay, I know the schedule at the back of my ass at this point because I've been looking at the schedule on these scenes 100 times over what can we do? What can we take out? What can I suggest? You know what I mean? And so you can't learn that by reading. You have to actually be in in that process and doing it. Um, For anybody that has never done it, the best advice that I could give is read books on ADing, try to see if you could um, shadow an AD on a set, on a few sets. Maybe get on some student projects, you know, where they need an AD and practice that way without risking, you know, your reputation by messing up on sets and stuff like that, where you have the freedom to do that on a student set or on, you know, sets where they're not paying you. And so they'll be happy to just have you, um, you know, and
0: yeah, that's that's good advice
1: and or PA, you know, if you PA. Um, I'm, I'm not always a fan of people peeing for long periods of time. Cause I'll be like, yeah, hey, you PA you'll learn. Yeah. If you're in a lockup all day, you don't know what the hell is going on inside. You don't know what the AD is doing. You don't know what the AD conversation, and especially is if it's on huge sets.
0: Right There's so many departments and so yeah. many people that things definitely get lost in the shuffle. And then, you know, you might Absolutely. have a PA that's just corralling traffic all day. Like, you know, so it, it's hard to kind of see the bigger picture. So that's a great, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And it's like, people will always say PA, PA. Yeah, absolutely. You, if, I think if you're in a more, um, how do I say this? If it's a more like nurturing environment, meaning that it's like a smaller group of people, like a smaller set, um, crew rather. You can kind of schmooze with people, you know, people will take a liking to you. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, I really like this person. Like, I need another person in the AD department. Can you hook it up? Can this person kind of be my go-to key PA? And then you kind of start seeing how things run in a set because they're giving you other responsibilities besides doing a lockup, you know, or doing shit that has nothing to do with ADing. And so, yeah, I I think that's the best answer that I could give with that. Yeah. Nice.
0: This question is from Michael. How would the AD handle an actor who cancels an appearance for a project? That, that's a pain in the neck for everybody. <laughs> it's not just the AD's problem, but that's like that goes up to the producers. Um I by the way, I heard of that happening on the movie The Gentleman, the Guy Ritchie film, where I think two and a half weeks into production, they they had Elizabeth Hurley actually playing the wife. And so she was like, you know one of the leads really like she was Matthew McConaughey's wife in the movie. And then all of a sudden she's like, ah, you know what? I can't. Uh. Yeah. And I'm sorry. It wasn't Elizabeth Hurley. I think it was Kate Beckinsale. So it was Kate Beckinsale. And so I didn't mean to drag Elizabeth Hurley's reputation through the mud over there. It was Kate Beckinsale. And, and, and I, I was floored that just like su- such, you know, even though she's a major actor, it's still like, who's going to want to work with her after that? You know two and a half weeks into production like no nah, i don't i'm not feeling it let me just you know drop out of this production uh, i have some personal stuff going you know,
1: on No, you never know what the hell is going on on set know. you you know what i mean like when I when did, people are pushed that. to that you know what i mean we don't know we yeah. don't know what yeah. was happening yeah. behind those scenes for her to make that sort of decision because actors understand that if they make that kind of decision they understand what they're doing to the production yeah. And so I don't think it's an easy decision to make. It's just something that we're not privy to. But yeah. something was definitely going on for her to be like, bye.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. But you have to imagine from like a from if somebody's producing somebody, no matter it, it's still like, hey, that's that's a liability. Like if we, you know, you oh, still want, yeah, it's yeah.
1: terrible. it, it yeah. In in a situation like that, I mean, as an ad. I don't personally like if if I come in onto set and then the production team says, "Hey, the lead actress has decided to not come in anymore. She's done." What that means for me as an AD is I'm not calling up the actor and going like, "Hey, what's up? You know, I heard." No, it's not my job at that point. That's production, and that's the and and that's the agents and like all that. Excuse me one second. Let this I have I, to get the light out. Yeah. <laughs> so what well, you don't um, have the
0: clapper in your <laughs> <I'm
1: just> <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, like, as, as an AD, it's not my job at all to contact the actors and find out why they're not coming in. What that means for me as the AD is okay, well, what the hell are we doing with the schedule? What does this mean? Like, how long is it going to take us to recast? Does this mean that production is completely shut down and then we will pick back up in X amount of weeks? Does it mean. You know, does it mean that we have to do a complete number of how many reshoots do we have to do? Are we going to be doing reshoots? Like, what does this really mean? And so I think on big productions like that, um, they have the money to, you know, fix those things. On indie budgets, you don't have the money for that. You're pretty much in a situation where you're fucking an entire production so hard in the ass that it's just, it's not recoverable at that point because it's, the budgets are already so tight that for an actor to do that it's a, it's a huge asshole move, but it happens. And so it's not great. It really isn't. But as an AD, the best thing that I can do is, you know, hey, what kind of actor is this? Is this a lead actor or is this an actor that we can replace very quickly and we can shoot other stuff today and then the next couple of days our casting director will find somebody else to fill that role.
0: And by the way, have you have have you encountered those sorts of situations?
1: I did encounter that one time. Yes. Yeah. Where where a lead actress did end up leaving. And so we ended up just kind of having to haul ass, you know, and it ruined, it really ruined. I mean, the film wasn't that great to begin with, in my opinion, but I think that it's just it completely threw the film into it. It was just bad. So it's it's not an ideal situation. Um, And so. Yeah, but as the AD, my, my biggest concern is what can we shoot today? What does that mean for the next couple of weeks? And it's a conversation between the AD department, the production department, and the director to figure out what's the next best line of action. What do we need to do? Can we continue shooting? What can we shoot today? You know blah, blah, blah. Do we have locations available? Do we have cast um, you know, issues? Blah, blah, blah. There's like a whole bunch of variables that come into play. So, yeah.
0: Thanks. Damien's asking, what, what do you say is the most fun part of being an AD?
1: Um, <laughs> the most fun part of being an AD. Um, you know, I kind of feel that with ADing, the, the, the fun comes with the camaraderie of the crew and it depends on the set. Like if it's even, you know, we work such long hours. In the film world, we're not working nine-to-fives. We're working nine-to-nines, five-to-fives, and it's not even that. It's We're working 15-to-16 hour days, if not more sometimes. And so I think the best thing about being an AD is although I'm not in a creative, um, you know, title on set, I, I know that I'm pushing and maneuvering the set, and I know that I'm part of that process, and I love that. Like, I honestly do truly love that process, that I'm able to kind of push a production every single day,
0: and there's an, ele- there's a level of adrenaline being on set for, right. I mean, I, I think so. Like, you know, um, I, I have an extra level of energy when I'm on sets that at the end of the day, it just then all of a sudden evaporates. Yeah. <laughs> but it keeps depends.
1: It, it depends on the set. Cause sometimes you can be on sets that are, they're hard, but they're fun as hell. And like, you kind of, you're just in the battlefield and you're working and you're just having a good time with the crew and you get it done. You know, there's the bigger picture there and you know, it's, it's fun, but then there are sets where coming to work is hard, like, and it, because it's not fun. It's not fun because there's a level of inexperience or a level of unprofessionalism that doesn't, doesn't allow you to do your job appropriately or to the best of your ability. I mean. And 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 it makes it kind of just a situation where you just hope and pray for the minute that th- the fucking set is over. And you're just like, I can't wait to get the fuck off of the set, yeah. you know, and it happens because it's not always fun. You know, every day is hard. There's never really an easy day on a set, but you know, when you have, and everything kind of flows from the top, you have a really good solid director. The director makes a huge difference in terms of attitude, energy, vision and kind of flexibility and when you're with directors who don't have that sometimes you know what's that phrase shit runs downhill it it definitely it's definitely a situation where it's it it makes it hard to be on set
0: yeah that's true uh okay so victor is asking what is one mistake filmmakers make regardless of experience Impressive. I don't
1: really know how to answer that question. I don't really know what that means.
0: So I guess maybe let, let me rephrase Victor's question. Um, what's, what's a mistake that you've seen filmmakers make that they should avoid? I, let me speak about this as a director. I think being unprepared is a mistake because filmmaking, in my opinion, is constant problem solving. So problems are going to happen you know, some sort of issue is going to happen that are at, that's outside of your control. So the more that you could kind of sort of mitigate that by preparing and having a vision and having a plan, then the better equipped that you are to deal with those sorts of problems when they're going to happen, you know, and then you could kind of figure it out. And, you know, uh, would you, would you agree with that? Nina?
1: I agree with that 100% one, like a thousand, if I could agree with that, like a million times, I would absolutely preparation is key, you know, Um, and it's not just in filmmaking, it's in life in general. You know what I mean? Like if you want to get an opportunity, you got to prep for it, even if you don't know what the hell that opportunity is. And so I think on a film set, it's absolutely imperative that you do that specifically though, if you're in, if you're a director, like as a director, the director should be one of the people that is the most prepared because it's your film, you know, it's your vision.
0: So Uh, true. Yeah. When I was first getting started, I had an older, there was a, there was an old man that was a cinematographer that gave me the advice when I was starting out. And he's like, he's like, as the director, he's like, you got to be like the sun. And he's like, you got to believe in your project so much that the, everybody else are like the planets revolving around the sun. And I know what he's talking about because if you don't, people aren't going to work harder than you are, you know? as the director? I mean, people are going to work very hard, but what I mean is if it's like a director that doesn't really care that much about their own project, how could that director expect other people to care about their vision and their project?
1: Yes. Yes. I love that you say that. Yes. 100%. Absolutely. Because people like, I really feel that people that like directors or even production teams that feel like, ah, we'll figure it out or whatever, or like they're just not experienced enough to prepare for certain things. They find themselves in situations where shit hits the fan so badly that it's just not good. It's not, you know what I mean? You could, you're, you're, you're putting yourself into a position to look not only unprofessional, but you put yourself into a position where you could possibly be losing money, money that's already tight as is. You know what I mean? Losing resources, losing faith in people. And the worst thing that could happen on a set is when morale goes like this. Yes. Because a lot of times in the indie world, we're working with very small shitty budgets. We're not working with millions and millions of dollars. You know what I mean? And so you have to be very mindful of taking care of your crew. And as a director, you should be coming prepared to set every day, knowing what you're shooting every single day, being overly prepared, thinking of all the possible issues that could come up under the sun and being prepared to manage those. And then depending on your team, your core team, to help you through the process should you not be able to find the answer. And so, you know, as a filmmaker, specifically as a director, absolutely. I think in the general sense for that question, it's a hard question to answer because when we talk about a filmmaker and, and mistakes, every single department, that particular person will be making a rookie mistake. Rookie, is it rookie or is it, what's the person that's not experienced? Yeah, it's not rookie. A, rookie, a rookie, right? rookie, rookie mistake, yeah. No, you said it, right? <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> so, there we go. So you make like a rookie mistake in every single department that you're in. It just depends on what department you're in. You know what I mean? And and so. You know, as, as an AD, you know, the the mistake that you could make, I think as an AD too, you got to be extra prepared. But if you're not sure what to prepare for, because you're starting out, you can, you can cause yourself a lot of problems on set, you know, because people are depending on you to to run the set and to know the time estimates, or to just kind of have an idea. And that comes with experience. Honestly, that comes with experience. And it's just, you kind of got to bite the bullet sometimes and sit sit in the discomfort of making a mistake Absolutely. because you know that's how you learn. Did and so, but I think going back to your point dude, yeah, be be prepared, be over prepared.
0: Yeah, preparation is is so crucial. And I'm I'm so happy that you talk about morale because that's something that, you know, uh I've had a lot of experience with myself where I've been in a situation where I had a, a key person it was the cinematographer that had an emergency and could not show up to set one day in fact i had a driver you know somebody another crew member was there to pick them up and they're like hey he's not coming downstairs i'm like what do you mean he's not coming downstairs he can't show up today Oh, what do you mean he can't show up today and then you know i called them up on the phone i'm like what's going on you know and then they said listen something's going on i can't show up to set i'm like what do you mean you can't show up today we have everybody we have the actors we have the crew this is this is a major thing you know and so then i went to i went to set and everybody was pissed off and nobody was more pissed off than me at the cinematographer and then other people you know there was you know grips and pAs and people were like oh wait till i see him i'm going to tell him off and i'm so fucking pissed and and i'm like you guys aren't going to do anything i'm like when he shows up to set tomorrow you're going to treat him like nothing happened yeah. they're like are you serious i'm like i'm serious i'm like because i knew in my head there's there would be no benefit to then creating this vibe on set that um there was nothing to gain from like basically just them showing host- open hostility toward it so i kind of alleviated the situation it turns out he did have a very valid reason and we just used that time to prepare um the the scene that we're supposed to shoot um and we just prepared and prepared and prepared you know spend extra time on production design and i just made the best use of the time due to the circumstances yeah. you know that we could have yeah i mean
2: i
1: think that what you did was it's it's the right move because you know when Sometimes when people are on set and you're like in the middle of making a film, there's like this adrenaline rush of like I'm making the film. Let's work. we gotta we gotta keep this going, 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 and shit happens, you know. And it's like we we tend to forget that people have lives, people have things happening. We just expect what we expect because that's what we want, and so that's not really it's that's not how life works. And so I think that what you did was right because ultimately the DP is one of the most important rolls on a
0: sack and 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 it turns out he he and he did have a a very as much it was a terrible thing but it was like it was a very extenuating circumstance because later on after the production when we sort of hatched it out and i said my concerns and you know i said you know and then I, i talked about how much money we lost and how much of a hassle it was and you know then you know we we kind of hatched it out and um so it ended up being okay in the long run. And plus I ended up using that time just to prepare, um, a, a tricky scene that we're supposed to shoot the next day. And I think the movie overall ended up being better because of, you know, just it kind of how, that, yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Sometimes, sometimes what you think is a problem turns into a mini blessing and it's kind of like, I'm kind of glad that kind of, that happened because yeah. he gave me a little extra time to do this and that. And I will say this though, that as the, as a director, like, you know, I worked on a short, like, before this COVID thing happened. And, um, and I have to say that it was, I loved working with this director. He's probably one of the best directors that I've worked with. And it really kind of showcased to me just the importance of having a really good director who, you know, just goes with the flow. And he, he was just such a pleasure to be around. And you can tell that the entire morale of the crew was steady each and every single day despite the crazy shit but people were like we were like fighting to make the film and it was because of him and so i think that when you have a leader aka the director to kind of you know what i mean do the things that they need to be doing it makes a huge difference so yeah
0: do you ever feel there's a different there's a good question this is a great question from damian you ever feel there's a difference between being an ad for a feature film as opposed to a short or a TV series, and which do you prefer?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, in In my experience, I prefer doing features and shorts. I just like the structure of a feature and a short. It's just I like the fact that there's a story, there's creativity, there's there's this. You're pretty much working in a world of imagination and you get to be a part of that every single day and you're with a crew for a longer period of time and you make friends and these are people that you want to work with in the future and they give you referrals and you make really great connections and even sometimes very good friendships out of that what i've noticed in the commercial world what a lot of people tend to say is that in commercials that's where the money's at but it's very boring like a lot of the content that they make is just lame. You know what I mean? You kind of look at it and you're like, this shit is whack, you know, like, but the great, the money's really good. um, And so, you know, and you don't really spend that much time with the crew. You're just kind of like workers. You come in, you do your thing and you leave, you know, and you make your money and that's pretty much it. But in terms of ADing, Aiding is always going to be the same throughout. You have a schedule or a shot list. You have to manage the day, maintain it, and make sure that everything is safe and make sure that, you know, you're kind of following the rules for lunch and anything else for safety Um, and making adjustments along the way if you need to. But there's a difference. Like in a commercial, you know, you not only have the director, but you have the agency and you have other people kind of chiming in going like, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. That could be wasting time. And you have to be, you know, kind of, you kind of got to deal with that on a music video. You don't have sound, you know, you just have playback and stuff like that. And so, you know, even though that makes things a little bit easier and faster, not necessarily, cause it just depends on the type of music video that you're doing, but you know, it's a little bit more lax, You know what I mean? Like on a on a film, it's like quiet, lock it up. You know what I mean? Like everything needs to be quiet. We can't hear anything. Everything's like you know, intensity. I have to hear like a needle dropping. Um, on a music video, it's a little bit more kind of, you know, open and stuff like that. And it depends on the type of music video. You know, you might have like a big artist or whatever that has like a whole entourage, you know, and they're taking forever to get the hell out of the trailer. You know what I mean? Like it really depends, you know, in terms of scheduling. I think in every single medium, whether it's narrative short If it's a whatever. music video
0: for G-Unit, it's going to be different than uh, a folk singer or songwriter from Williamsburg or something.
2: <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, exactly. It's totally different experience. And so, you know, the the gist of ADing is the same throughout, but I think it really depends on like what you like more. You know, I like more structure on sets and I think that there's more structure in a narrative and on, on shorts. And I'm not saying there's no structure on the commercial. There is, but there's a little bit there's just more hands in the pot you know what i mean that you have to kind of deal with um and yeah so i hope that I answered the question cuz i know that like it's already 1007 and i could drone on and on about this type of shit
0: okay so we're at the final student question then we're going to open it up if you have time lena um yeah. we're going to open it up to the people that are on the call um sure. So Victor's final question is: If an actor is being unprofessional, how do you handle the situation? Which, listen, I've dealt with that. I've dealt with uh, when I'm producing on other people's projects, and and there's one time in particular that we were running the production. It was an Alphabet City Films production, but I wasn't directing. Um, this is many years ago. At this point, it's like you know, two thousand twelve or two thousand thirteen around that time. Um that I saw this one kid cracking jokes and he was an actor and he was cracking jokes that I I saw a girl being really uncomfortable with, you know, and there were vulgar jokes. There were he was he was saying some stuff that was over the top. And I pulled him outside into the hallway. I was like, listen, um, you can't, you know, I know you're just trying to be funny and I know your intent is not to be like offensive but not on our set and you know I was like just don't don't do that like you know because I see somebody's getting uncomfortable and I don't want them to say like hey I was at this alphabet city films production and you know these guys were pricks and this and that happened so then I mean he was floored that I was talking to him so bluntly um but then you know he respected it and didn't do it anymore so I think the way to deal with those situations is just to be very open about it. You know, pull them off to the side. You don't need to necessarily chew them out in front of everybody. You know, that's sort of how I approached it. Have you ever had to put somebody in their place? I'm sure you have at certain times, but it's not probably not the actors, right?
1: No. I mean, honestly, no. I, I, I think if there is what usually happens, I, I've never, ever had to deal with like an actor that's been incredibly disrespectful. Um, and I guess I've been lucky in that, in, in, in that sense. But usually if like, if an actor is just coming to set late or, you know, just kind of maybe looks like they've been drinking a little bit or doing something else. Mm-hmm. um, it, It's really like, as long as there's not, like, as long as it's, at the end of the day, for me, it's like, I talk to production. I always talk to production and go like, look, I'm going to put this in your radar. This is what's happening. I don't know how you want to go about it, but yeah. And so it really depends on, on, on the situation. I think if an actor was, you know, cursing or making people uncomfortable, I think that The director would probably chime in, and then I would, or a producer, even myself, would chime in and just kind of like you did, you know, take to the side and just be like, hey, you're being inappropriate. You can't do shit like that, like, period, you know? And if you want to continue doing that, then there will be repercussions for that, you know? And again, it depends on the actor, you know? There have been plenty of stories that we've heard throughout the years that are still probably happening. If, you know, if there's an actor that's like, you know, a lister or whatever, and they decide to do whatever, they kind of have that power. You know, sometimes actors can make a break with the film and if they go like, kiss my ass, I'm going to do what I want to do. You got to kind of eat that shit sometimes. You know, and I'm not saying that it's right, but, you know, I, I think on, on those kind of level film, films, it may happen. And so it's a thing where people may be putting up with it because of who the actor is and because they need them. Um, but I think on more indie level stuff, I, I haven't personally experienced that. I have experienced that with background though. Yeah, I don't, I don't... Background.
0: Yeah, I don't think it. Even I'm sure, like you know, I'm I'm certainly not naive, and I I know all kinds of things happen on on a even on an A-list level. However, I do think that there's something about the industry that I mean, things get sort of sussed out. Like people that have that sort of reputation, word travels very fast. Like you know how it is, Lena. Like it's a, such a small industry that if somebody has that reputation of they're that much of a pain in the ass, like they better be like Sean fucking Penn. Like they better be so good at what they do that people just have to deal with them. But in general,
1: that's what I mean, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's like a specific example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He is a specific example, but yeah, in general, you know, if a lot, a lot of times people, they'll just get the reputation of like, listen, they're just not worth the headache, you know, of uh, that sort of thing. And then they ended up getting filtered out and, you know, just as a regular audience, people are like oh well why don't we see that person in movies anymore and a lot of times it's because of stuff like that it's because they've had such bad behaviors that you know they they get branded a certain way you know for good yeah. or for bad
1: for sure i mean i think like from from an ad perspective like it it's it's a situation where it's like you go to production you let them know if you have the opportunity to have a conversation with them without you know what i mean like let's say you hear something or you see something yeah Like, you know, if it's not your place because you have to like walk on eggshells around that actor or whatever, then yeah, you go to production because they're kind of the safety zone for those kinds of things. And you have that conversation if it's, you know, for me, the most important thing is safety. So as long as an actor is not doing anything that's going to, you know, harm those around physically, then I'm not saying that I'm okay. Like I'm not okay with some stupid sexual commentary or anything that's going to make somebody feel uncomfortable. But there's a time and a place and, you know, there, there's, you have to kind of dependent on the situation, who this person is and what's been happening and, you know, a bunch of other variables. You figure out the best method of, you know,
0: kind yeah. of yeah
1: mediation, I guess you could say. So,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, guys. So I want to open it up to, uh, you know, turn on your cameras. Unmute yourselves. Let's see your faces. And um, let's let's open it up for I guess a few questions if if you have a few minutes, lena Yeah. Uh,
2: sorry. Hi. Uh, thank you so much. That was awesome. You're welcome. That was, uh, that was a great, great, uh, great combo. Um, I guess I have one question. Um, what kind of directors have you worked with? Like, are you working with? Have you worked with like some David Fincher types who are doing like eighty takes of the same shot or um like people that are looser like just kind of like winged, like or like clint eastwood who do one take and like that's it keep moving on
1: um i i have not worked with those top notch directors i i, I wish <laughs> um also, not yet not yet
0: you want, what you got there John. i i also want to clarify i think john you're also talking about like the types of directors like they Dave- that will do 80 takes.
2: Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Like, yeah. like, oh, oh, okay, okay. That will do like um, 80 takes you of the know, same like, shot or like people that do one shot and like, all yeah. right, let's move on.
1: Yeah. Um, I've worked with, I mean, for the most part, I've worked with directors who, you know, on indie film sets, because of time constraints and budget, um, directors have to kind of understand that unless the scene requires more shots than necessary for the most part i'm working with directors that have a decent understanding of how many takes they have to get to get what they need and so i've worked with directors who literally will do three four takes and they're good then i work with directors who will do three to four and then depending on the type of scene if there's a lot of emotions involved or other stuff they'll do 10 takes they'll do 11 takes for me I'm fine with that as long as we're on schedule. You know, I don't really particularly care. I think that once it gets to a point where it's like, okay, we're hitting that mark, we need to move on, like this is not changing really, like we need to kind of, you know, you got to deal with it at this point. Whatever you got is whatever you got. Um and so I've worked with directors who have been super chill, you know, they kind of run with the punches like if things are hitting the fan and shit, like you know, they're not, there are directors who can take stress. There are directors who start to kind of, you know, almost come into like into their own shell and they start to kind of get very nervous and they, you can tell that they don't really know what to do. I've worked with directors who, you know, are loosey-goosey. They're like, we got this. It doesn't matter. Like, fine. We're starting two hours later. Great. We'll get it. And then I work with directors who, you know, are just, constantly on edge, like just like on eggshells. And so I think that as an AD, you have to adapt to all those personality traits and kind of just try to work with it, you know? And I think the best thing to do with the director is just be like, what can I do to help you? Do you need some space? Do you need some time? Do you need help figuring out what we need to do? And sometimes it's very hard to work with them. I worked with a director one time who, it was a feature film. I had asked for a shot list like a month before. And he was like, "I'll get it to you soon. I'll get it to you soon." Another week goes by. Another week. Another week. I don't have shit. And so, three days before we start production, I sit down with him and I'm like, "Do you have the shot list? Because I need it." <laughs> and he goes, "He's like, oh, I haven't done. I haven't even spoken with the DP about the the entire movie. Like, we don't have a
2: shot list." it, will wing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I sat there and I was like. Oh my God, you know, (laughs) yeah, this is going to fucking suck. And it did, it did. Like it was, it was a very grueling shoot for me. Like it was one of the most grueling shoots that I've been on. And so, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, I was the best AD ever on on that shoot. Um, You know, I I did the best that I could with what I had. Um, And so, but it was hard because it's like, unless you're the type of director that's <coughs> done this a hundred times Sorry. you're good unless you're a director that's done this a hundred times and you just you have it in your head and you got it like that i'll trust you but if you have not done that and you don't even have a basis of where to start from it's hard for me to work with you because it's a disrespect of my time too that's a disrespect of, mm, of yeah, my true. time you know what I mean? Because I'm yeah. trying to schedule the day and make sure that people know what the hell they're doing. And if I don't even know what we're doing, how do you expect me to even tell anybody else what we're doing? So yeah.
2: Have, has I'll there? Um, oh, that was perfect. Yeah. Um. What? Um. I'm sorry. Give me a second. You're has good. there ever been a time where like a just like, no, no, let's keep on, let's, let's do this, or and then you had to like, no, come on, we got to go, or. Like, has that happened yeah. to you? Like, yeah, to really, like, clash with them? How do you handle that? Um,
1: I wouldn't say that there's a clashing, per se. I think that one of the things that I tend to say is because if, if I'm talking to a director who goes, like, no, like, we're not moving on. Like, I want to get this. I just go, like, okay. Then just understand and know that if you take this time now, you're going to be sacrificing something later. And if you're okay sacrificing whatever it is later, then I'm cool with it. Because sometimes you got to let it go. Because at the end of the day, the AD is an important role on the set, but the DP and the director supersede the AD. And so if the DP and the director want to do what they want to do, because they know that they're going to get this shot, you got to roll with it. And unless you really understand that this is just going to be complete shit show in the at the end of the day and this director doesn't understand that you have to then kind of put your foot down and be like no we need to go so unless you want to waste everybody's time and not make the day then this is your call and if they go that's my call then okay cool then that's the call then you just gotta let it be and if that's what and, and then when you kind of see shit hitting the fan you're like I told you, so. <laughs> you know. So. How
2: often are you the referee between the director and the DP? Does that you happen?
1: like that you said?
2: Yes. How often are you the referee
0: between the the director and the DP?
1: I've I've, I've never because like the director and the DP have such a special relationship. That Because they've been working with each other for, for a while, even b- before an AD gets on a set. And so I've worked with directors who I didn't know, you know, like they didn't have a bond with me prior to this. They build the bond with me as I make the schedule and as we go into production. But their DP is somebody that they either worked with before and if they didn't work with them before, they have already been working with them for weeks on end. And so that relationship has to be like, like this because it's the two of them who are pretty much making the vision and so i've never had to kind of go in the middle of any dp or director um and say you know hey guys you know
0: because curious because internally i'll I'll say as a director there's always that sort of tug of war like come on like you know i mean how long is it going to take us to get this shot off like you mean how long it's like, well, we need another forty-five minutes of lighting. It's like, all right, like you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you
1: know. Like, I will say this much: like, I was I was working on a short, um, the one before uh COVID and stuff like that. And so, um, we were we had like seventy-five extras and stuff like that, and we were like in this one like lobby space of this like uh, theater in PA, and the DP was like, I have a shot. Like, this is this is this is gonna this is gonna be great. And I was like, dude, no, we, we can't, like, no, we need to move on. Like, this is not happening. And so the director and him spoke, and the director was kind of on my side at first, and he's like, no, we don't have time. And the DP found a way to kind of, you know, get in his head. And the director was like, okay, if the DP thinks that this is going to be a shot that's going to make the movie, let's do it. So I sat there and I said, okay. And I said what I said. I'm like, just understand this is going to cut time later what happens? I talked to the DP and I'm like, how long do you need? And I love this DP. Like, he's great. We get along very well, but he'll tell me 10 minutes and it's really 20, 25 minutes. It's not really 10. And so he's like, it'll be fast. We sat there for like half an hour waiting for him to like get this shot up. And by the time we got the extras back in, by the time we had to like rehearse it, it was it was a waste of time. And then when the director saw it, he was like, I like the shot, but I don't know, like, eh, whatever.
2: <laughs> like, oh, wow. Yeah. So,
1: you know, and I was just like, all right, whatever. Like, let's move on to the next thing. And you pretty much have to pick up the pace at that point. And they know that, you know, and they have to sacrifice something. And as long as they're okay with it, I don't give it a damn. I'm
2: like, all right, whatever. So, I got a question. Yes. Okay. How does the genre of the project um, affect your job?
1: Um, the genre affects it in such a way where if, um, let's say that it's a, there's a big difference between like a romantic comedy that takes place in like you know New York City and it's just a bunch of couples and they're in the bed and they're in a restaurant and there's parties. I think that's a lot easier to manage and what I mean by that is production design and you know it's there's certain (laughs) elements sorry about that hold on there are certain elements that um sorry (laughs) there are certain elements that are a lot easier to kind of schedule I guess you could say versus if it's an action film if it's an action film and like a lot of the scenes require cars crashing into each other and a lot of, um, you know, buses and fire and guns and all that stuff. It really is gonna take, not only are you working on a very big budgeted film at that point, but you may have a B unit and you may have an A unit. A unit may probably just do the more easier scenes and B unit could probably be doing the more stunt heavy stuff. If, you know, and so does that really change scheduling in a way? Yes and no. It's hard for me to answer that because um, it, it, it takes skill as an ad to, you know. Trying to get my thoughts together right now, so I do apologize from from if, if yeah, I sound a bit balanced. Um, no, you're good you're. Like, if let's just say for instance, there is a film like that's Titanic, right? And yeah. you know, the Titanic had like this big ship and like hundreds and hundreds of extras.
2: And a Diva director.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's going to require a whole different type of scheduling and kind of logistical understanding versus if you're just ADing 30 extras in a room. You know, it's just yeah. and that's just in pre-production. You speak to the production team, production design team, you talk to the director, you talk to a bunch of other and indiv- you talk to makeup, you figure out how long it's gonna take to get people through the works, et cetera, et cetera. And so you schedule based off of that. And so when the production is huge and gigantic, it's gonna take more days, it's gonna take more time. So if let's just say it's a one-eighth of a page and the one-eighth is Johnny's driving down the highway in his vehicle and as he makes a I don't know right turn off the highway a truck veers into him and then the truck goes over a median and hits somebody else and it's a whole crazy fucking thing that's probably going to take a couple of days to shoot you know what I mean that one eighth versus if you shot seven pages of people just blah 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 talking and <laughs> you know what I mean yeah so the genre will definitely change the logistics of stuff but you as an ad the same thing applies you still have to run this you still have to schedule it out and you have other department heads to tell you how much time they're going to need and the safety precautions and the type of um you know crew members that need to be on set that day you know do we need a set medic do we need how many sun coordinators do we need do we need emts all that stuff comes up and even if you're doing horror, you know, if there's a lot of special effects that can take hours on end, you know, could take three, four hours just to put something on somebody, you know, and you have to schedule that out. And so the genre does make a difference in scheduling. Yes.
2: Nice. Um, Well, I'm sorry. Uh, Building on Ryan's question, uh, is there like type of projects where you're like, oh, man, you know, New York mumblecore. I don't know about this. I'm kind of tired of that. Um you stay away from those, or is there, like, a, oh, my God, New York mumblecore? I filmed in some apartment. Like, I mean, like like do you stay away from certain genres, or...?
1: Um, not really. I think that, like, as, as an AD, like, there's so many more things that I need to learn as an AD, honestly. Okay. And so, and, and I think that you you know, you're always learning depending on the types of sets that you're on. And so, um,
2: and for every, you
0: know, I, I think as a, that's one thing I love about filmmaking and cinema is that, you know, it's like, you, there's always more to learn. It's like a rabbit hole of learning and just, you know, each each set, each film is a new challenge and, you know, that's, just to add to your point, I think I totally agree, even as a director, you know?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I, absolutely, because, like, I mean, like, if, if I take a look at all of, you know, all the stuff that I've worked on, you know, I worked on one feature where I understood, you know, how long it would take for special effects, you know? Then I worked on another where I had to deal with a minor the entire time, and the rules that come with dealing with a minor, um, dealing with a baby on set, Um you know, I've worked on set where it was a, it was a period piece, you know, and, and kind of, and we used candlelight. We weren't using a lot of light. We had to kind of use natural light and at nighttime use candles and kind of, you know, um, and, and, and having like production design that also had to, you know, work with, with the, the time era, you know what I mean? And so that was another experience working with, um, You know, having a stunt coordinator on set where we, a woman had to pretty much be drowned, you know what I mean? And she was dead and she was floating in the water, and you know, having to deal with the stunt coordinator, figuring out what that really meant like how long that was going to take, what she needed to have on her body. I worked where a woman walked into a lake and pretty much literally walked in and she kind of like the water covered her head. She pretty much drowned herself. And so we had a stunt coordinator for that. And so all those little things added to my you know, repertoire of experience, you know, versus, you know, I haven't AD'd a set where I've had to deal with 500 extras. I haven't, you know, I haven't had to deal with a set where there's crazy stunts and people are shooting each other or like, you know, a whole bunch of crazy shit. I haven't haven't had that sort of experience yet. And so, um, but to go to your question, in relation to if I see a script, for me, even if it's a script where it's like people are just hanging out in the city and they're in like an apartment, if the script is good and I like the characters and I feel like this is this is something, there's something here, I'll work on it. But if it's some whack ass piece of shit that I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is this? Like, I, I hate the characters. I, I I feel like there's no good female leads. Like the, the females are just like you know you know, secondary, you know, third characters or whatever were just used for sex or whatever, then I may not want to work on it. You know, it really depends on the type of script. But at the end of the day, if like, I haven't been working for a minute and like, it's a gig economy, I have to depend on referrals and networking. If I haven't worked in a month or two, I'll take anything. I don't give a shit. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, you haven't, have you like ever gotten like, who, like, what is this weird guy's weird vision like what the hell's going on here i don't know he doesn't i'm even sure he knows what's going on yeah yeah
1: yeah. i i I definitely have and it's kind of like i'm like "Mm, all right whatever like i'm not (laughs) understanding this but cool like i'm I'm, i'll ad
2: it
0: (laughs) it turns out pretty good it's something that you didn't think was going to be good but turns out good has that ever happened
1: I mean, I'm on the one that, I mean, <laughs> it <hasn't> really. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. Put it that way.
2: Um, right, uh, I have one last question. I'm sorry. Yes. Do you have, is there any director where like if you see their name like oh, pop I, up in your phone, you don't even ask questions like, all right, what time? I'm there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, have, I have a few friends of mine and other people that like give, even if they said, hey, can you just help me? Like, like I'm doing like a one day thing as a favor for somebody, would you AD? I will AD for them because I respect them and I like them and I have a good time with them. And, you know, and if I don't get paid, but I'm just going to get a credit as an AD, sure, I'll do it. Um, but if it's a director that I did not get along with before or who, you know, we just don't mesh because it's a relationship. You know, what people fail to realize is that we work with people that we trust and we work with people that we like because when we work with those sorts of people, we do a better job. We're in a better mental headspace when we're working with people that we're constantly clashing with. We're not able to, you kind of got to get past the bullshit and find the strength within yourself and the mental kind of fortitude to move forward. And so hell yeah, there are directors that what's up, I'm there. Like you don't even gotta ask.
2: So, so, like, it's important to like build a trust with like everyone on the production. Absolutely, Ryan.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as an AD, I think that one of the I'm sorry, somebody was talking. I don't know.
0: Oh no, no, it's okay. You know, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just adding to Ryan's point, that sometimes those, sometimes that rapport that you build, I've found that sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you're planning this, like even me and you. We met each other at a conference. We were sitting next to each other, yeah, yeah, well over a year ago. But you know, we kind of talked. And for me as a director, I'm not as working on on sets as frequently as you are. So I take time between films, you know. And so then I sort of kept you in mind. But then, you know, there's that rapport. And same thing with the producer that um, uh, about to have on the podcast. Uh, very soon, and we we're working now. He's based in LA. He's a really big time
2: face-off. He made, he made,
0: he made uh, Hacksaw Ridge. and Met him years ago at Sundance, just walking down the street. You know, you know it's like you thread that fiber of the relationship little by little. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, w- like the the beauty of working with like certain directors, like if you have a good vibe with them they will continue to co- to contact you because they, you become their main AD. They're like, you're my AD. I want you to work on the sets with me. And that's a great relationship to have because they have you in their back pocket and you want to build those relationships with the directors and producers and the production managers who like you, who then will say you're a great AD and I want you to work on this particular project. Um, and so But in general, on set, you do definitely end up, if you're a good AD, I think you can build rapport with everybody on the set from every single department and they will respect you and they'll like you, you know? Um, Nice. But that depends on your personality, you know? Like I said, from very early on, you know, find a balance to be a cool friend, you know, a person that they can respect and talk to. And also a person that they, when you say, let's go, we have 10 minutes, they will respect that time and they will work with you.
2: So
0: yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, great questions, everybody. Nina, I appreciate you so much being so gracious with your time and doing this amazing talk. It was outstanding. So
2: thank you. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope. I hope
2: you know. I was. Watched Lena. Nice to listen to. <laughs> I mean, I could go for like another two hours. I love this stuff. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I got. I got for tomorrow. Do a well, I don't think a lot of us have a lot yeah. going on these days. I do. I've this board stage of the
0: coronavirus I, every minute of every day. Is like uh, I'm literally overdue for a phone call right now. I've, I have to get on because I like have a time. Is it 10:30? I have a 10:30. Yeah. 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 Oh. All right, guys. It, this has been fantastic. Nina. thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Learn so much. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Good thank night, you, everyone. Good night.
0: Stay thank safe, you. everybody.